It's Thursday the 3rd of December. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Leach. Shane, how are you? Mate, I'm well, Timmy. Thursday, lots of sport. Cricket last night. Lots to talk about, mate. Oh, absolutely. And uh, just giving a little intro to ourselves. Of course, you can catch me on Weekend Edition with Sky News on Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, we've worked together for many, many years uh, doing stories here, there and everywhere. And I did that first story on you all those years ago. Mate, many moons ago now, but uh, we've moved on. Both retired. <laughs> from sport anyway. <laughs> My retirement happened a lot earlier than yours. All right, today on the show, John Stephenson, we're going to talk Olympics. A lot of people thought it would never happen, but it looks like it's going to be on. Mark McKinnis, assistant coach of the Sydney Thunder, no doubt they're still celebrating. And one of Australia's finest wicket keepers, Brad Haddon, is on the show as well. This is afternoon sport and too much sport is never enough. The centre piece of cricket right at the moment has been Canberra. We're going to be there for a few days. What did you think of this one-day game yesterday, Shana? It was actually a really, really good game between bat and ball. Um, you saw the first uh, two uh, one-dayers pretty much be dominated by by the batsmen. Um, but this was a fantastic game between bat and ball. It didn't go Australia's way, but... Uh, we already wrapped up the series 2-0 at that stage. So interesting selections, which we'll talk to Brad Haddon about. The, the bottom line is there were some, look, odd selections, maybe wrong selections. Yeah, I'm not sure about Marcus opening the batting. Uh, and I'm not sure whether Moses Henriques should be batting at four. I love Cameron Green being selected. Um, and I didn't mind giving Abbott a go uh, and bringing in Ashton Ago, who I thought bowled pretty well. But, you know, resting Mitchell Stark, when he hasn't played the IPL, is interesting comments around that. Yeah, he's been the most rested bloke in the most controversial times, Mitchell Stark. I I haven't quite understood it. But, uh, look, we've got a great guest as well. Uh, You played a lot with Brad Haddon. Mate, he's a good man, Hads. He was a fantastic wicketkeeper batsman for Australia and really looking forward to talking to him on the show today. It's quite appropriate we are talking about Canberra because there's no bigger Canberra Raiders supporter. He used to play for the Comets in Canberra. He's the boy from Gundagai. Brad Haddon, how are you? You go. What were your thoughts on the match last night? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I, I was a bit shocked with some of the selections, to mm. be honest. I understand Cummings. You, you've got to manage those guys. We can't fight IPL these days. He had a big schedule over there, and he's so important to us through the whole summer and, and moving forward. I was shocked with Marnus at the top. I thought our middle order had been really, really stable, and they'd started to build some rhythm and combinations together, and I reckon that's an important part of one-day cricket now. And, and and I think just at the top of the order with him, you, you lost a bit of aggression. I, I know David Warner, he controls the tempo of the game up there. I thought Finch was outstanding. But what a like a Matthew Wade or even an Alex Carey up there with, with him left, right, and also it helps move the game forward and put a bit of pressure on the bowlers. Yeah, it was it was an interesting game to watch. What, what did you think of that run out? Because it was all tracking nicely, wasn't it, for the Australian team? A good partnership was forming. Yeah, run outs are they're, they're killers, aren't they? They're big momentum changes, and, and that's exactly what it was last night. I, I know Justin Langer would have been spewing with that, but it just it just took all the, the gas out of the, the Australians' innings. It looks like they had everything under control, and that just one moment of madness... Um, just changed the whole tempo of the game and, and gave India an opportunity to to win the first game in Australian soil. But also last night, India looked a little bit different. Um, Coley was a bit in their face, a bit more of the Australian batters. He looked like he was really up for the, the contest. Boomer bowled well with, without luck. So, yeah, though, India looked like they sort of arrived in Australia a little bit last night. Well, I think you could smell a bit of blood. Um, you know, three three guys sort of playing 
in around their first games. Sean Abbott, uh, one for 84 off 10, quite expensive. Um, Ashton Agar bowled really well, two for 44. Um, and Young Green, what were your thoughts on him? He only, only bowled four overs for 27 and got 27 runs, but he looks like a real talent. Mate, I seen enough last night, Shane. I, I think it was a really – I enjoyed that selection. I think we had to give him a taste of international cricket just in case we use him in the in the test summer this year. But he got a few balls up to 145Ks. He's two metres tall. And I just like – he only got 20 runs last night, which doesn't seem a lot in, in the context of, of what was going on. But it was the composer he had to me. He had wickets falling around him. He looked in control. And to me, he looks like a real test player. So he's going to play a lot of cricket for Australia. When, when's that going to be? First test? I, I don't know. But I, I think by the end of the summer, I, I think he'll be right in the Australian team for a long time. Brad, cricket's in an interesting place. We read all the stuff about Channel 7 and Cricket Australia. So that's, that's to one side. But when you actually look at the cricket itself, both the depth of the Australian cricket team and the quality of the cricket, both men's and women's, it's outstanding. And I, I can't remember a time uh, where it's been quite as prosperous. What has Justin Langer brought to the table? Um, particularly, you know, looking back to what happened over there in South Africa, it, it's just been building, building, building. Yeah, I think the the one thing impressed me most about JL, it, it's it's his passion for the baggy green and playing for Australia. I, I know you you rest people and you have to look at different things, and that's all part of, and part of modern sport. But he's brought a real pride back in that Australian hat. Um, it, it, he makes guys. If if you want to be there, you, you're there to get better, and and you're there to lead the game in a better place. I I know when. We started, we were educated really well with our senior guys when he came into New South Wales, whether the Wars, Shano and, and guys like that, about making sure you don't take your position for, for granted. And, and when you do lead the game, you, you leave it in a better place because we wake up every morning as young kids want, wanting to play for Australia. And, and I think that's the, the big thing Justin's done. He's also put a lot of good people around him over time to, to challenge the group about turning up each day to, to get better and better. And, and I think now we're starting to see that filter back into state cricket, which is exciting. Hey, Brad, t- Timmy asked me a really good question earlier in the week on the show. Um, my thoughts on should um, Steve Smith captain again? My, my thoughts were no on that. Um, who do you see as a potential next test captain when Tim Payne goes? Yeah, it's a good one, Shane. I, I, I think at the moment we, we don't have a real standout. I think on paper... Everyone likes the theatre behind Pat Cummings doing it. Um, he's a guaranteed selection. Right? He's a great face of the game. He's a performer under pressure. But it's hard for fast bowlers to do it. Yeah, I, I, and, and also as well, you, you can tick all those boxes away, which is important. But you also got to have the tactical nous to be able to get up every game to do it. Um, so it's. I, I don't think there's a standout. I, I, I think over time, there's people start to develop like... We didn't hear 12 months ago about Marnus and, and, and look how he's come on. So Smith is an interesting one because he, he, he first captained again recently in the IPL. Okay. And, and he, didn't, he didn't have a great um, tournament by his standards. And sometimes when you do get that captaincy, you can start worrying about everyone else's performance and what's going on and forget about yourself. And you, you only have to look at him come back in these last few one days. I, I don't think he's batted this well in one-day cricket since 2015 World Cup. What what he was doing, those two games in Sydney, were phenomenal. Hundreds of 60 balls. Mm. He, he just controlled the whole tempo of the game. So 
Yeah, he, he's an interesting one if you want to burden it with him. Another thing is, does he want it? Do, does he want? Does he want to take it back? Um, he went through a horrid time with everything that um, went on. We know he's passionate about playing for Australia, and he's he's. Um, we all know him well. And he's a great person, but d- does he want it? So Marnus might be one that you could consider. Um, Travis Head, um, but I think he's going to be one of those guys that always fighting for his position in that middle order. So I, I don't think there's any standout. Um, ones there at the moment. Hey, Brad, any any news on, on Warner's groin? I saw a, a funny article from Candace saying she hadn't seen her husband for four months and she's potentially blame, blaming herself for his groin injury. Um, but um, a groin injury is as serious at his age. Any inside word there? Yeah, the, the only thing I noticed with that is, and um, a little bit, they, they reckon he's going to be struggling to, to get right for the first test. Um, then they'll, they'll just assess him uh, day by day after that. But one thing I know about David Warner, he, he's a tough little butter. Um, you, you don't see him really show much pain on the field. Um, and the way he grimaced um, and, and grabbed his um, groin, he, he was in a lot of discomfort. And, and you've seen by the footage too when he was trying to hop in the car and he, he was struggling. So, yeah, it looked to me a real bad one. Um, and, and, and on the back of his pain threshold, so... I hope we see him at some stage during the, the summer, but but groins can be, um, yeah, that can be difficult. It's uh, it's quite appropriate we're talking to you at the moment because the centrepiece of cricket is happening in, in the nation's capital. Let's talk rugby league to finish it off. Uh, you've gone so close two years in a row. Two years in a row. Oh, we had a great year there, but, yeah, Ricky's doing some good things down there. I, I know we'd like some um, silverware, but, uh, yeah, surely this year, please. Yep. Well, 2021, it may be the green machine out of Canberra. Brad Haddon, thanks for coming on Afternoon Sport. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks, Shona. Mark McInnes, assistant coach of the Sydney Thunder. What a win it was at North Sydney Oval. That's up next. This is Afternoon Sport, and what a game it was on the weekend, the WBBL. They went in as underdogs, the Sydney Thunder at North Sydney Oval, Shano, but uh, it was brilliant, wasn't it? They sort of limited the Melbourne Stars to a smallish total, and then it was just a classy run chase. Mate, it was. It was great to watch. I th- um, you mentioned just, uh, just off air before, Timmy, it's, it's, the whole series has been fantastic. It's been great to watch. Really great cricket. And um, as, I, as I said yesterday on the show, the women's game has come a long way and it's fantastic television viewing. Absolutely. On the up and up. And it's great. A real treat for us on Afternoon Sport to have the assistant coach of the Sydney Thunder women's team, Mark McInnes, on the line. Mark, have you stopped the party yet? Oh, yeah, the party's finished. But, uh, all the girls have gone home now. It, uh, it certainly was a great celebration. The girls enjoyed the victory and, yeah, very exciting for everyone involved. And, Mark, what, what do you see as the biggest developments in the women's game in the past few years? Because, you know, just watching from, from year to year for myself, um, the game's just gone exponentially through the roof. It certainly has, Shane. I think the skill level has improved. They're, they're obviously full-time players now or p- mm. pretty much full-time. So they're more athletic. You saw with the catching and the diving save. So the fielding's improved outstandingly. But, uh, you know, the power game is improving, and we're now starting to see fast bowling, as in Shemim Ismail and Darcy Brown and Stella Campbell from the Sixers. So there's there's more athletes playing cricket now, and there's more cricketers playing cricket. That's the biggest thing that I've noticed yeah. is they talk cricket. It's not just athletes that are good at sport, but turning their game to cricket. They're actually cricketers who play cricket. 
Um, you know, we've got some in in the Sixes and Thunder with New South Wales. So, yeah, it's really exciting. And, Mark, what does it, um, from a professional perspective, what, what does an off-season look like now for the girls? Are they, you know, you see the AFL and the NRL boys um, finish their season starting six weeks later. Is it a similar thing for the girls? Uh, so what happens now, they, they get a week or so off now. We've got two more weeks of training with the New South Wales Breakers. So all the Sydney-based and New South Wales-based athletes come back into Breakers with Dom Thornley as the head coach there. And then they have a break and then we have what we call WNCL, which is the state-based competition. And that starts mid-January and goes till the end of March. So New South Wales will play Victoria and, and like for like. So uh, they get a little bit of a rest now back into training and then playing more games. So the final was the last game of, you know, maybe 16, 18 games. So the girls don't play enough games. So now we're seeing a better product because of more game time. Now, Mark, a a pivotal question for this interview. Can you remember playing against the boy from Oak Flats, Shane Lee? I do remember a game at Mossman when Manly fast bowler, Mark Cameron hit Shane in the head, which wasn't much good, but I do remember Shane <laughs> taking us down as well. So <laughs> depends what your what your focus is, but uh, yeah, obviously strong player at Mossman and New South Wales. You know, I remember bowling to Shane in the nets and getting smashed everywhere. So it was a it was pretty cool. You only get better by playing against the good players. So uh, I do nice remember you, playing against Shane and, and his brother. I played a lot with Brett and against Brett. So I'm more Brett's vintage. <laughs> I remember him hitting me, hitting me in the head too, man. That bloody hurt. He's quick. He was quick, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he played played okay that game. But it's, it's always a big rivalry, isn't it? Manly versus Mossman. So uh, you 100%. guys always had a strong team. Um, any any predictions? Um, young talent coming through that you have sort of you feel they could really sort of come onto the stage this year. Well, I think you saw Phoebe Litchfield last season play really well, and then into this season, she's a left-handed uh, middle order batter at the moment, and yep. she's going to be pretty yep. exciting. Uh, she's a great fielder, good athlete. Uh, so she'll be one to watch. Hannah Darlington's performed really well on the, the biggest stage. So she's coming through. She's worked hard on her fitness and her skills are great. She's a really good leader for a young person. Uh, so they're probably the two. Uh, Darcy Brown from Adelaide. Strikers looks good. Mm-hmm. Fast bowler, Stella Campbell's fast bowler from New South Wales and, and Sixers. So uh, yeah, look, there's a blend of talent there coming through and you know, they're probably the main ones that I've noticed. Um, it's hard to find young batters, so someone like Phoebe is a is a really she's exciting prospect. She's yeah, she, out, yeah, she's probably yeah. the standout one at the moment. Chatting with Lisa Stalaker at Functions and other things, she just missed out on any of the money or the, the ability to be professional as a women's cricketer. Uh, Mark, how many of the squad now could rely solely on their cricket for a living and and what about you guys as coaches uh, is this part of a bigger job i think with the the players some still supplement their income with part-time jobs a lot of them uh you know the coaches within the structure of female cricket have coaching businesses so there's a few girls that are coaches for for us and uh others you know i think one person worked in a, a supermarket so yeah at the moment they're probably not quite but certainly the australian players are paid well uh, the domestic players still, you know, there's room to move there. It's expensive to live in Sydney. So some live together, some house share. So, uh, yeah, look, it'd be nice for the girls to receive a little bit more reward from from all the work they do. Um, but that comes with time. And I think from a coach point of view, um, you know, it, there's not a great deal of money in it, but it's not so much about that. Certainly for me, 
you know, I like to see the girls improve and that's part of my sort of philosophy is you want to make them better and, you know, the, the money side would be nice if, but, you know, it's taken a while, Tim, so, you know, in the last six years it's come a long way, so I'm assuming in the next six years it, it's only going to be better than better. But Oh, yeah, so, so you've got another job. So I have a cricket coaching business called Sydney Cricket Coaching. So I do that and I subcontract to Cricket New South Wales in their female program. So, yeah, that's part of it. And and Sydney Thunder, you know, have given me the opportunity to work in a tournament, which is what I really enjoy about getting teams up and ready to play. So, uh, yeah, we're not there yet, but, you know, it's come a long way in the last six years, certainly. Well, it was good to catch up with Mark because uh, so much has happened with women's cricket. It is just improving exponentially and it's great for all young girls that want to play cricket as well. John Stephenson is on the way. We're going to talk Olympic Games, the 2020 Games in 2021, and they look like they're on. This is Afternoon Sport and a man, I tell you what, one of his interests is Bondi soap. How good is it, John Stephenson? How good is Bondi soap? Tell me about it. Well, this complexion doesn't come easy, Tim. And ever since I've been using Bondi soap, now look at me. Oh, tell you, can you send me some? I'll send the address. There's an old saying, it's only a rod if you're not involved. All right, we're not here to talk about the wonderful soaps of the world, in particular Bondi soap. We're here to talk about Olympic Games. And look, I've been watching the threads come through. There's a lot of positivity, as you would imagine. But uh, there's some dates for the test events that have been shuffled around because of COVID. We're looking from March next year. And they're very important, aren't they, uh, test events ahead of an Olympic Games? Well, look, preparation is everything, Tim. I mean, it doesn't matter what sport you're playing. Um, you need some match practice. And for many athletes, the last year has almost been a write-off because most, especially for Australian athletes, most competition is overseas. So... We've been bunkered down. I mean, most countries have been bunkered down around the world and been limited to where they could go to and how they could actually compete, let alone the competitions in their in their in their localized area. So it's it's really interesting to see how these test events do go. I think a lot of athletes are chomping at the bit when it comes to Olympic sports, and um, I mean, I think I think this will give the IOC, I guess, it'll decrease their anxiety around sort of what. Japan can actually handle and what we'll be uh, what we'll be expecting to see come July next year. John Thomas Buck, head of the IOC, said um, to the athletes, sent a message saying um, they were in for a really good time. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so look, I love the optimism and, and I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, Olympics is not just about winning medals. As you know, um, the Olympics mantra is about competing. It's about bringing the world together in unity and, and I think this will be hopefully the the beacon for for what the world has gone through over the last year and i think that if i was the ioc and i think hopefully what they're trying what thomas is trying to say is is that's what we're going to focus on is bringing the world together on what the olympics stands for but i do think it's going to be a very different experience for the athletes because olympics is normally a culmination of your season you've worked hard for four years you go there do your best and then after it's a celebration of what you've worked hard for for four years i don't know if they're really going to get that experience intel i have obviously working with athletics australia is that there's going to be a bit of a shuttle in shuttle out system so as you compete you compete then you then you leave the village um i think the bubble is going to be very interesting because you, you look you're not dealing with just you know, uh, two teams of, of, of a sport you're dealing with. There's, there'll be, what, is there 6,000 athletes that compete in mm. Olympic Games? Plus you've got the officials, plus you've got, I mean, the transporting, you've got so many moving parts. 
And so I think I think optimism is going to be the key between now and July because any any sort of roadblock they get is going to is going to make is going to give other people who maybe fear this disease give them anxiety and I don't think they want to lose um, the money that they've invested over the last what six to seven years when it comes not only to the city but also the IOC. Yeah, absolutely. And look, people are looking for things around them, whether they be the cicadas in the air, the, the, the normalisation of life, the cricket on the TV, and the Olympics is the ultimate, isn't it? It's the ultimate sort of feel-good international event for everyone. Oh, it's amazing, Tim. I, I remember my first Olympics in 2004 uh, in, in the birthplace in Athens of the Olympic Games. It, uh, it was uh, it was just such a surreal experience, the crowd, the people, and, and that was my first games I competed in. But funny enough, the Sydney Olympics, which I think we all remember here um, on the podcast, um, didn't that embody just like the community and, and, and Sydney and not only Sydney, but Australia. And it really showcased how great our country was. And, you know, every athlete I speak to, whether it's an athlete, a coach, or if you are at Sydney Olympics, every one of them says that was the best games I've been to. So I think, if Japan can embody some of that, it's what the world needs, and and um, it'll be it'll be nice to see. Now, John, you're saying Bolt. Now, I've seen you in pictures with a guy. Um, what is he like as a bloke? And is he good to hang out with at nightclubs? Shane, man, uh, uh, the one one thing I can say about you saying is he, he is what you see. That what you, what you saw on the track, how he engages with the camera, how he engages with the crowd. That is him twenty four seven. He is such a competitor, man. No, he, he's, a, he's a good man. He, he likes to have a lot of fun. And I think that's what made him successful, right? He, he knew the balance between, you know, his hard work and working out and, and, and winning and also making sure that he, he gave a little bit back to himself with a bit of Usain time and he enjoyed himself. And, John, um, in contrast, you worked with my co-host, Timmy Gilbert, at the Santos Tour Down Under. What was he like to hang out with? Shane, you know, no, it's funny. Not, since we're talking about athletics, not many people know that Tim's favourite athlete um, in the history of track and field, he's Debbie Sosomenko. So he's a, he, he really has a very good knowledge of the sport. And I found that really interesting when I found that out about Tim. And I learned that on the tour down under. Um, we had many a good times. Uh, I, I'll never forget this time I, I did the, the Booper Challenge. It was 123 Ks. I prepared absolutely nothing for it. Um, and I got back and I was just a little bit tired. I wasn't that tired. I was just a little bit tired. And he took me to some Indian and he and he start and he started just harassing me the way I was eating my chicken tikka. I didn't understand why, but um, <laughs> but I, I thought he'd respect the road 123 Ks that day. But uh, that's one of my fond memories uh, of the tour. And I had a lot of fun with Tim. And on a serious note, I, 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 I've always got a lot of time for Tim. I think he's brilliant in what he does. And that's why I'm glad to be on the podcast. You're always learning from me, mate. So uh, a lot of fun. Always learning from you as well. And don't worry, I'll be using Bondi soap under your rod if you're not involved. Uh, look, look, finally, Johnny, all jokes aside, will this Olympic Games go ahead? I've done a, a bit of work with the Australian Olympic Committee over the past year, bringing back the Sydney Games through 12 athletes. We did a My Sydney thing. And like you mentioned earlier in this chat, there's nothing quite like the glow of an Olympic Games. Will it go ahead? There's even some talk that we'll get some crowds going. I think there will be absolutely no doubt it will go ahead. I think it'll have to take COVID to really hit us again where, where it just goes out of control. I think by the, by the time the Olympic Games is on, I reckon there'll be vaccines. The Games will go ahead. Uh, I think we definitely will see crowds. It'll be a different sort of Olympic Games. Um, we should look forward to it. Uh, we should support our Australian athletes and we should look forward to hopefully Australia bringing back some more goals. Thanks for coming on the show, John. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. 
hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes to Brad Haddon, Mark McInnes, John Stephenson. Thanks to our sponsor, O'Brien Beer, and of course, the wonderful, the most talented, the award-winning producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon with your dose of sports news. See you then.